back to the Go Dig a Hole podcast. We've got the whole crew back together for a very spooky episode where we dig into some uh, really creepy archaeological stories and uh, just some stuff that we've seen. Uh, you know what else is really spooky is supporting Go Dig a Hole on Patreon. So uh, you can give some spooky dollars to us and it'll help us bring archaeology outreach, education, and advocacy programs uh, out. Uh, we really appreciate everybody who has helped so far. You can go to patreon.com forward slash go dig a hole. kind of heard a, a part of this story but <laughs> Robert and I came home yesterday <laughs> to a bag of marshmallows on the ground and a large pile of cat puke in oh, front of it no. with three marshmallows in it and then one lone marshmallow on the ground and I was like oh my god Momo my cat got in to the marshmallows he took it off of our food shelf Mm-hmm. Drug it into the living room, ate some aloes, was like, oh, this is gross, <laughs> vomited them all over the place, then had a little bit of really liquid diarrhea over it, spread it around. Oh no! Oh. And then that little marsh, that, that little mallow that was out, was fucking sticky as all hell. It was covered in little Momo spit. And <laughs> I came home and Momo was like, I am so hungry <laughs> and I can't figure out why <laughs> Robert God. just walks in and he goes <laughs> Momo <laughs> and I was like yes accurate but go <laughs> and he's just like Momo. turns out marshmallows make me sick <laughs> yeah could, mm, your cat <laughs> why Mo <laughs> So yeah, don't let your cats eat marshmallows and puke them up immediately. <laughs> oh <my laughs> they won't even digest them. They're whole mouths. <laughs> cats. Cats are so great. <laughs> Coming from the dog person. There's a little pals in there. Searching, searching, search. Great. <laughs> what are cats? <laughs> I had two cats. Bad, dumb, stupid. Had, nope. Had two cats. Yeah, they were great. They they lived long lives. I loved them so much. Uh, mm-hmm. But God. <laughs> oh, yeah. No yeah. baby kittens. No. are so funny. So Halloween is coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Spooky. My daughter's sweet 16 is coming up. Nice. That's also spooky. Spooky. (laughs) Have any of y'all been to Halloween Town? No. No. Oh, in St. Helens? Yeah. I've 
really want to. I really want to go too. You should make it a thing. A go dig a hole field trip. Yeah. I think it's. I could be wrong. I I think you can go kind of any time, but they have like a a Halloween town like festival where it's like jack o' lanterns and everybody dresses up like it's the Nightmare Before Christmas, and it's a whole big thing. Uh, yeah, sounds amazing. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Nice. Super wanna go. <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Cause I mean, yeah, cause the it was the front of Halloween Town was shot in downtown St. Helens. Oh, I did not know that. So go watch it tonight, you guys. And God, that movie was the shit. Yes, mm-hmm. I loved loved that movie. As a kid, I felt like watching that. I was like, Disney. You get me, ma'am. Yeah. Like, it felt like <laughs> someone, really did. Yeah, they like got in my brain and they were like, yep, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. Pure, unfiltered Halloween. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You could fall in love with a ghoul if you wanted to yeah. because they went to your school. That's so cool. <laughs> anyway, so it looks like it's the weekends <laughs> that you can go and they <laughs> set up Halloween Town. Nice. Yes. Cool. Fun fact. <laughs> Very nice. We'll have to make that a thing. Yes. Love it. That sounds great. So Tia came up with a really good idea mm. about a spooky episode. Spooky. Because Halloween's coming up. Yes. That's great. And uh Tia, you want to share your, your thoughts on this? <laughs> um Sure. Um, so I am super obsessed with like true crime horror stuff like that's kind of what I listen to podcast wise all the time and just been kind of talking a lot with like friends and stuff about like hauntings and things and was starting to think about like as archaeologists we go to some really weird places we get to see things that we don't like people don't normally get to see and Mm -hmm. that I know several archaeologists who maybe they haven't experienced a haunting but they've definitely been someplace where like shit feels really weird or they maybe they have experienced something um also you know especially since we work with like native sites um you know you know stuff happens there as well that I know archaeologists have experienced before And then also that a lot of hauntings happen at like historic sites that we're all like intimately aware of where we work with. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, how cool would it be if as archaeologists we talk about either the like creepy places we've been that like maybe we didn't experience any like hauntings. But we're like, yeah, just every time I go to these kinds of sites, I just my skin crawls. I hate it. Or you have experienced some sort of haunting on a site or something. Um, And then bringing it back around to a more like instructional or kind of you know in educational is talking about like what do you do when you work on like sensitive native american sites or what do you do when you work with a cemetery like how do you respect these Mm. places where you know hauntings might occur or there might be the dead or something like what's the best way to be respectful about these kinds of things in these kinds of histories or if there's some place where like a horrific thing in history has happened that leaves an imprint whether it's ghosts or not mm-hmm. like talking about what that means as an archaeologist to be there and tell those kinds of stories mm-hmm. so just general spookiness <laughs> spooky spooky and in honor of halloween yeah. we're all munching on some jolly ranchers mm-hmm. oh, yeah. candy mm-hmm. yep so in case you're wondering that sweet <laughs> sweet refined sugar <laughs> <laughs> yes um 
Yeah. There's some there's some interesting stuff out there. Um I have I was raised in a very superstitious family. We'll mm-hmm. start with that. Not religious so much as superstitious. So there's a lot of stuff I grew up with in haunted houses, all the various things, lots of history around that. So I would be what one might call a ghost believer. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had those experiences that have no real other explanation. And maybe there is, and I just was not cognizant of it at the time, and it sticks in my brain as a specific type of memory that may or may not be a reflection of actual events Mm -hmm. at the time. I'm just going to put the disclaimer out there. But... um, a lot a lot of stuff um my first encounter with an archaeological site um was at actually my own house when i was a kid um i grew up in a couple of old houses but the one that um my parents bought when i was about 12 um was built in the 20s and my dad had this theory that it was a um a bootlegger that had owned the house because there was a secret room behind the upstairs bathroom that like was you'd push back um a a cupboard and Mm. the back of the cupboard would open into a a room whoa Whoa. um, yeah totally oh that's nuts (laughs) (laughs) um this also opened to the laundry chute so that may be the other explanation for it (laughs) Nope. But or both. Or both. So um we'll start with that. And when I was a kid, my dad had decided to uh level the backyard. So the house was kind of on a hill. It was an old farmhouse that had five bedrooms. Um a big gnarly um cast iron wood stove in the basement. So oh really intense basement with like the wood holding area the wood stove still down there it had an icebox room and all of that that jazz but when i when he ended up leveling the backyard um of course his personal property no one no one (laughs) knows the laws of personal property protections for archaeological sites in oregon so let this be a a reminder (laughs) They are protected, and you do have to, when you encounter an unknown archaeological site, you should contact the shippo. Mm-hmm. So, with that disclaimer in mind, uh, there was a lot of square nails and other random shit that came up during that. Um, in the icebox, actually, there was an old can of tomato soup that was, like, painted on. So it had been there since probably about the time the house was built. Wow. Um, wow. But just all sorts of random shit in the backyard. Yeah. Um, but this house was known to make all sorts of bizarre noises and still does. Um, one of my worst encounters or most memorable encounters, um, I was in seventh grade and I was on an AOL chat room because, you know, mm. that's what you do hmm. in yeah. 97. And uh, it's like 11 at night, the house is dark, everyone's asleep. And I hear uh, 
my dad come from the upstairs bedroom, which was on the far end of the hall, cross the hall, come down the stairs on the other side of the house, go into the kitchen, and then I hear water pour. Mm-hmm. Not like a faucet, it sounded like from a pitcher. And I noticed it, and I was like, well, that's weird. And then I hear footsteps come to me, and I turn around to talk to my dad, or what I thought was my dad, and no one's standing there. And I got creeped out and ran up to my room and locked the door. <laughs> Whoa. But yeah. that was not the first and la- or last time. It was like the TV would turn on randomly, lights would turn on or off, doors would close. The doors thing was mostly drafts because it's an old drafty house. Um, but a lot of this stuff was really bizarre in that house. There was always... Um, a lot of people would comment on just it was felt weird in the house mm-hmm. and um, people new to the house and didn't know the history would often ask if it was haunted and I don't know if that's just because it was an old farmhouse with oak trees out in front mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of looked a little creepy <laughs> yeah. um, I feel like that's stereotyping not all houses not all houses like that not all oak trees <laughs> not all oak trees are creepy <laughs> So it's, there's a, a long history of that. Yeah. Um, and when I was a, a little uh, around the same age, um, I had an affinity for candles. We'll start with that. And I was in my room. It's the most teenage shit I've ever oh, heard. Yeah, <laughs> right? So me and my best friend are talking and we're going to sleep as you do at birthday parties and you mm-hmm. talk as you're falling asleep so you lose track of the conversation what's going on and that there's a candle lit inside a plastic cup oh no uh, and i had a futon bed at the time and cup falls over lights the place on fire <gasps> and um she hears the smoke alarm i don't and she drags me out by my feet and then everyone evacuates the house and it, Hilariously, my hair is not singed. The fire was less than a foot from my head, from my pillow. Um, And it still boggles my mind. And, you know, my mom has a theory that the the ghost was watching over me or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was that corner of the house uh, or that uh, that corner of my room. And, you know, uh, there's a a number of explanations of why... Mm -hmm. We didn't have smoke inhalation. I mean, we had smoke inhalation issues, but it wasn't enough to, like, keep us from waking up. So interesting things like that. So weird things happen in old houses is kind of where I'm going, but also new ones. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's always interesting to, to come across different remains of houses and abandoned houses and meth garages as <laughs> we've all stumbled across they give off a weird feeling if mm-hmm. there's been weird <clears throat> weird stuff going so that's kind of my haunted story bit yeah. um and i have more but we'll not we'll not make this the kirsten's experience in haunting <laughs> um, that's something that i've always found really fascinating though is that like I would also say that like i'm a ghost believer but that when i talk to archaeologists they seem to have a a greater in tuneness that's a really shitty word but in tuneness with 
like the history of the land. Like the more archaeologists I talk to, they're like, oh, yeah, I've, I feel things when I get into like weird, pla- like historic places. Yeah. Like I can feel the energy of like how old it is. And like I can like and it's I think it might be just like the field attracts people who are you know super into history. But that the reason we're so into it is because we have this weird in tune nature mm-hmm. with the stories that this the land and these buildings and these artifacts tell that we you can kind of feel it yeah and i i know people are going to be like oh it's kind of like you know hippy dippy granola y but i i really feel like things like yeah. have that sort of like vibe that they give off that people can pick up on and because i know at least that i i pick up on that kind of stuff like yeah yeah i do too and i've worked with other people who who feel that way as well that it's like you know, we would be on like shovel test surveys and a part of it is like you learn to read the landscape too. And I think mm-hmm. that that kind of feeds into how you feel the, the environment around you. But, you know, it's like, there would be times where I'd be on a shovel test survey and you know, this, this one guy I worked with would be like, I think we're going to find a historic site up here. And like maybe 30 minutes later, he'd be like positive historics. Wow. And it's like, he just could feel it. And mm-hmm. same with uh, prehistorics too. Like he, he could find all sorts of, you know, pre-contact material, but uh, it, he seemed to be really, really tuned in on historics. And it was just one of those weird things that would be like, what is it? Just like call out to you or something? Like you yeah. feel it? And like sometimes I, I felt like I could kind of feel it too, but I felt mm-hmm. like it was more kind of like, I would always be thinking like, this is a high probability area. <laughs> yeah. If, if I was going to build a house, I'd probably build a house here. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes we can kind of like I don't know I just kind of feel like that's so because like when you talk to other people and like granted we've had training and gone to school and we do this all the time but I feel like sometimes we explain it away by being like oh it's a high probability or if I I, (laughs) like I would like to build a house here but there's you're not even processing it you're like taking in all this data and information and you're feeling it and then all of a sudden you're like yeah mm -hmm, yep something's gonna be here and then you look down you're like yeah mm mm-hmm it's there it's there yeah and it's either that like we've been trained to just naturally like or it's that we are in tune with those kinds of yeah yeah i think it's really cool an intuition that we build for for that or have Mm. preemptively yeah yeah it's really really interesting and that's i've always had this i've never worked in the city but there's definitely always been a part of me that would be like really fascinated to do urban archaeology because it's layered weird Mm -hmm. and there's I think just because of the constant habitation there's like a different or I suspect there would be a different feel to it than um, some Mm -hmm. of the other stuff that I'm I've done a lot with what about you Tip? I feel really lame (laughs) no don't feel lame no it's I don't have the intuition (laughs) no I mean I do get those feelings but I've never had um anything super spooky happened to me like out in the field that mm. archaeology related like I have been in cornfields that it scares the crap out of you because it socks in the sound so you can't mm. hear anyone on either side of you so you start trying to play Marco Polo yeah <laughs> yeah and then all of a sudden they're like it sounds like they're in front of you, but really they're like off to your left. So well, that like, that's gets why creepy. So many stories about like cornfields as like in horror books, like cornfields reappear. Like so, you, yeah, like yeah. The children <laughs> of the corn. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like get super scared. I <clears throat> when I did the corn 
fields, I got super scared that like something would come running up behind. Yeah. And of course, you're always going against the row, so you can mm. never really see down where you're walking. So you're always going against, you're hitting your knees, so you're just hearing, <clears throat> oh shit, oh crap. And then all of a sudden, mm -hmm. you're like not hearing anyone else. And then you're like, did I go the wrong direction? Am I yeah. going to end up on the right side? Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm very handsy right now. Uh, but yeah, it's great. It's okay. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're still describing it. You said right side. Right side. But yeah, so, and I've stayed in one that I know of, Haunted Hotel in Anchorage. So that was something kind of spooky. It was for work. And I was Googling it to find it. Mm -hmm. And it was like, hauntings at the historic Anchorage Hotel. And I was like, nope, I don't, <laughs> don't want to know. Like while you were there? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't want to know until yeah. I'm gone. And uh, we had a huge windstorm the very first night I was there. Alaska gets like huge hurricane force winds. And they're like, oh, yeah, my roof blew off. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah. like, Classic uh, Alaska. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, OK. But the, the power went off because I was planning on sleeping with the light on. <laughs> and I so I turned the light on my phone for the rest of the night. And my phone died because I couldn't charge it. But it really scared me. And then I looked up the hauntings. And they happened in all the rooms around mine. So it was like I was oh. in the one room oh. that had nothing happen in it. And then I felt a little disappointed. <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah, I was like, dang it. Um, so, yeah, no, I don't really have anything from the field. But you're right. Like, Those cornfield yeah. tall, like, I know that this just came out on Netflix. So give me the great people. <laughs> but like tall grass, tall, like mm -hmm. wheat, even the feeling you get when you're walking through those, you're you just you lose your composure basically it's mm -hmm. like the sound goes away you can't hear anybody you can't figure out where you're going your sense of direction is gone and we, we had a guy lose his shit yeah, in the cornfield they're fucking scary yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're just like okay man it's gonna be fine he's like no you don't understand this is awful i'm not playing marco polo with you and we're like we're just trying to figure out where you are yeah like that's yeah. all we want to know so they're uh, yeah <laughs> No, like, yeah no thank you i used to play in cornfields as a kid and i never thought about it until i got older and then i was like nah fuck that shit man yeah. <laughs> nah as a kid when you're just like da -da -na 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 -na. but even as a kid you'd be like oh i've gotten so from far from the house and you'd just be like running and running and running and then you'd yeah. pop out and you weren't far at all yeah <laughs> and you were like what Time doesn't exist in cornfields, is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, and then one guy scared me. He like he was joking, but of course I'm like a newbie, and he's like, "Oh yeah, people suffocate in cornfields." <laughs> no, and I was like, "Wait, what?" He's like, "Yeah, like newly grown cornfields, people suffocate all the time." And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah. So like I was in one once, and I was like, oh, "I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying." I'm dying. <laughs> oh god, I'm fine. No. Thank you. Yeah. I only ever had moments like that where I had to like kind of stop and cool myself off and like calm down mm -hmm. in like really, really thick briar patches oh. um, or like kudzu. <laughs> Are you all familiar oh, yeah. with kudzu? A little, yeah. Haven't seen it in person, but you've told stories. It's horrible. It's <laughs> it's this vine that just like it'll swallow entire buildings and it's like acres and acres of this vine patch that just blankets everything. And you can be walking over the top of it and you're not touching the ground you're touching vine and you get to a certain point where the tension of the vine will pick you off of the ground and then it's almost like being stuck in a cargo net and you've got to kind of like untangle yourself and get back up on top of the vines because like 
you just don't want to be underneath it. And mm. so it's, it's like, it's also really disorienting because you can be in these really thick kudzu forests or like even really thick briar patches and like you lose your bearings. Mm-hmm. You can't see where your last flag was if you're trying yeah. to flag a, a transect through the woods. And so it's just kind of like, I've had many moments where I'm like on survey where I just have to stop and I'm like, okay, pull yourself together. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let's get our bearings. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah. I've had experiences probably not quite the same because kudzu sounds like a certain special type of hell. Um, <laughs> it's one of those seven circles. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's Bob, kudzu, kudzu. and then... Yeah. <laughs> um, vine maple is one that I'm... I don't know if you guys have surveyed through vine no, maple. No, never. That should... It, it will lift you off the ground very Ugh. easily. Um, it's like... So it is a maple derivative. It's vine-y in that it grows kind of, uh, it's more like a bush in a way. So it grows out of the ground in lots of different branches. The branches can be about 15, 20 feet long, but they will go up and out um, in all directions. And when you get a bunch of them together, they grow together. And then it's hard to, because um, the clearest spot is always over the center of the plant. So as you're trying to get through them, it's easy to lose orientation mm-hmm. um, and it, it just takes forever is the other part of it. Um, I, the first, one of the first projects I was on, I got lost. I was with someone else that I could see that was three feet away. <laughs> that was one of the supervisors, but she got lost <clears throat> and we were like, on this it was a transmission line project and we were not far like we could hear people um so that's the plus is it doesn't insulate (laughs) sound doesn't suffocate you yes (laughs) Uh, but you can hear people but you cannot tell the direction Mm -hmm. and so it's really hard to tell where you're at in relation to whoever you're hearing um and it's just a super pain in the ass um and then blackberries is the closest thing to brambles. And I think we've all done the... Um, <laughs> I have special machetes for that, <laughs> too. One is a saw on the back, mostly nice. for the vine maple. But that is the best way to handle blackberries to date that I have encountered. Yeah. And using a screen as sort of a, yeah, yeah, a shield. Kind of, shield. <laughs> kind of just fall on it. Yeah. Yeah. Plow push it over. It that way, chop this down over here. We'll make like a clearing to yeah. be able to dig through. And then... Yeah. <laughs> a process (laughs) when i was monitoring last week i was in a really big blackberry patch but it was like i didn't really have to like hike through it it was just kind of like i'd follow the equipment and it would blaze a path for me nice but i would stand and and just eat blackberries (laughs) (laughs) while watching the equipment move around i was like this isn't bad snack time (laughs) well i know tia you have a few stories don't you yeah so for a field story I have like one and a half, sort of. Um, so my first year field surveying, we were out in Baker County. So we were doing a giant transmission line project that crossed from Malheur, Baker, Union, Umatilla, Morrow. So like all that. And we had found a 
super cool historic mining site. It had covered this entire hill. And then my boss was like, there's a, a canyon, like a low kind of baby canyon over there. Go check that out to see if they had extended into the canyon to continue the mining operation. It's like me and two other people were like, okay, yeah, we'll do it. Um, I love like, you know, running around in arroyos and stuff like that. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm totally in. And as we started to like get into this canyon, the wind stopped, which, you know, in a canyon is not necessarily like, oh shit, but it was definitely <laughs> noticeable enough to be like, okay, the wind has stopped. And then as I kept, kept looking around, it was dead baby cow after dead baby cow after dead baby oh, cow. No. Uh. And the first ones were like, nothing was fucking wrong with them. It was just like the baby cow had died and fallen over. Huh. And then, and it was just baby cow after baby cow after baby cow. And then it was like ba cow skeleton after cow skeleton after cow skeleton. Hmm. And we, and I, like we literally hit a line where I got this horrific feeling. Just like, I was super unnerved. I was like slowly low key starting to panic. And I was just like, we have to get out of here. Like, we cannot be here anymore. We need to leave. Mm -hmm. And my coworkers were like, what do you mean? We've only gone a bit into this, like, you know, canyon. Like, we, the boss is like, wants us to survey to see there's that. And I was like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> we will tell them we surveyed the whole thing. We have got to get out mm -hmm. of here. Like, the feeling I remember it to this, this day was just like I'd hit a wall. Yeah. And it was like, I, I cannot, I can't be here anymore. Something is very, very bad. Something very wrong is going on here. I don't know what it is, but I do not want to be here anymore. And so I like turn around and just walked away. And for years, I've always thought about that canyon and those dead baby cows and was just like, I don't know how to explain it. I got the weird feeling. I always usually trust my gut, you know, don't want to get murdered. Mm -hmm. And then a couple months ago, I saw an article in the Oregonian about dead cows with nothing wrong with them yeah. except the blood drained out of them mm -hmm. in eastern Oregon yeah. and the cops can't figure out what the fuck's going on and like of course people are like aliens and then <laughs> I saw and then it was an NPR article so it's like bad huh. and they in the articles they were like this has happened multiple times before it's just that this is happening again and I would like to say I do not believe it is aliens I feel like that is silliness. I do not know what it is, but I'm really, really glad that I got that gut feeling mm -hmm. that day because the fact that it was like so many of them and like we all see dead cows on survey, but it oh, was yeah. like an amount that was like, what the fuck? It was like a trail of dead baby cows. Wow. Wow. And yeah, so that was like an, a no-go zone. And then I, I think we've kind of all, all found like old cabins and stuff like yeah. you know homesteading cabins out in the middle of nowhere and I'd say a majority of them it's just really fun to take pictures of them and look at they're really cool but I've always been intrigued by the ones that like there are a couple that scare the shit out of me yeah. and I don't want to go anywhere near them there was one that I just found on a BPA survey and it was it was modern it was a modern-ish cabin. It had, like, they had a TV guide. Like, they had left a TV guide, like, on the table. So it wasn't old. But the smell of it was, like, granted, there was, like, a lot of rat poop. But, like, the smell of it was just weird. Like, oh. it just smelled mm. gross and awful. And mm. I just was, like, I remember walking up to it to, like, look inside to see. Because usually you can t kind of get the age of it by what's around. I started, like, just, like scared like really scared to look inside huh. and my like I know I was over exaggerating but my brain was like they're dead like there's something dead in there like this smell yeah. is really awful and bad and 
didn't see anything wasn't anything everyone else on the survey took a look inside and had no problem at all like but the i just was like this makes me not happy at all yeah yeah and yeah and so i'll have two more-ish haunting stories they're historic Mm -hmm. so i grew up in denver um so colorado is a big mining state Mm -hmm. all up in the mountains is all these super super old mining towns and there's one called idaho springs and it's up i-70 colorado it is the cutest little town ever it is fantastic they've done a great job of historic preservation so like way to go idaho springs um it has a lot of tourism so they've done really well for themselves and there is a pizza restaurant there called bojo's which is mountain pizza which if you're from Colorado, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, it's a super thick crust that you put like honey on and like just a, it's basically like a Chicago deep dish, just not as deep and more of like a weedy crust. It's really good. Only in Idaho Springs though. If you go anywhere else, the pizza is ass. <laughs> I don't Notice. know what they do there. But it's super, super good. And so Bojo's in Idaho Springs, I, I did a little bit of research. They purchased the building that they're currently in in 1973. They have this old story about this crazy French miner guy that, like, that's where the recipe came from for the pizza. Um, It was my family's favorite. Like, let's go for a Sunday drive up to Idaho Springs. We'll get pizza and then come home. Never once had had anything happen. Been going there my entire life. And I was, like, 13-ish. And I remember... So there's two bathrooms in this place. There's a bathroom on the ground floor, and then there's a bathroom on the upper floor. And so I told my mom, I was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And for some reason, I don't know why I didn't go to the one on the ground floor. I went to the one upstairs. And I went to the one upstairs, went to the bathroom, washed my hands, came out. And I turned, I think, to the left. And there was a Victorian woman standing there. Just like like full on Victorian garb standing there. She didn't say anything. She just stood there. And it was kind of like that dead baby cow thing. The feeling I got was like, run. Get away, get out now, run as fast as you can. And she just stood there, she just looked at me, run as fast as you can. I freaked the fuck out and I like ran downstairs and I went up to my mom in like low-key hysterics. And I was like, Mom, she's like, what's wrong? I was like, I saw a lady upstairs and I got really scared and she told me to run. And my mom handled this situation like a low-key boss. She was like, mm, yes. She didn't ask me, like, are you sure? She just fully fucking accepted it and was like, mm-hmm. And then she goes, hmm, that's funny that you saw a woman. This place used to be a brothel. And I was like, oh, okay. And just like she was so calm and I was like, okay. And then we we left. And thinking about it now for this podcast, I was like, everyone says every old building is a brothel. Like every, it's like always, oh, that was a brothel. (laughs) Looked it up. It was a brothel. (laughs) And it was originally a mining exchange company from like the 1850s and then it turned into a brothel and the upper levels where the girls used to be and where they used to dance for the people down on the bottom floor. So I'm fully convinced that some bad at, like not great shit happened to the women there and that some woman was telling me, it's not safe for you, you need to go. Wow. That you were of age. Yeah, that I was mm. of age and I needed to get out of there because I wasn't safe. And I don't know if, like, there was a guy up there. Like, I don't, I have no idea. And I talked to my mom about it recently because as I've gotten older, I've questioned whether or not I've seen a woman. And I was like, hey, mom, do you remember that time I went to Idaho Springs and I came back from the bathroom freaked out? She goes, oh, yeah, you saw a woman up there. And she, like, you felt to run away. And I was like, 
yeah. And I was like, how did you know it used to be a brothel? And she was like, I don't really know. Huh. And she's like, I think I read something about it or I must have read something about it, but I have no idea. Huh. And she also told me that, so in one of the mining shafts that they've kept as like a fun little thing in the, the thing, they have a body at the bottom of it, like a, a Halloween decoration. <laughs> and apparently on that same trip, my mom and my sister went up to the bathroom and s- my mom never let my sister and I, when we were really, really little, so I'm seven years older than my sister. So she would have yeah. been like six. She didn't let us leave the bathroom without her. Apparently my sister just left the bathroom without her this one time and she looked over the railing into the mine shaft oh, and saw the body and freaked the fuck out. She was like, oh my God. She was, and my mom's like, no, 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 it's like Halloween. And so when I was talking to my mom this weekend, she was like, yeah, so that was a really fun dinner. She was like, I had a terrified 13 year old. I had a like petrified six year old. And she's like, I'm a mom, so I can't lose my shit. And she goes, I'm freaking the fuck out. And she's like, your dad is like, this is a really good pizza. Like, this is a good pizza. Like, my dad felt shit. And my dad's like, yeah, that was bad. And my mom even asked him, she's like, Tim, do you remember that? He's like, no. <laughs> Do you remember the pizza though? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah it was good. <laughs> Not memorable for him at all, wow. but yeah. So just the, those kinds of experience, like yeah. And I've like I've had other ghost stories. I think is like kind of some other people. Okay, one last one because like this shit still bothers me and I can't I still haven't brought myself to do some research on it because it scares the shit out of me. Yeah. My boyfriend's old house was hella haunted. Yeah. Like haunt like tip nose. <laughs> it was haunted as fuck. So when I first started dating my boyfriend, he told me some stories about what had happened at the house and I was like, he's picking on me. Like Robert loves to do some solid ass picks and they're always good. And I was like, oh, he's getting because he knows I like ghost stories. So he's getting me. He's getting me good. Yeah. And then we were all I w- we were all us friends were over there and we were eating dinner and they have two dogs. So two dogs are not allowed to go in the kitchen at all. Mm-hmm. So he lived with a girl and a guy and Chandler, the girl, called us into the kitchen to go have dinner. We all got up and clear as day. I heard right next to my ear and the dogs came running into the kitchen and then Chandler was like no get out like you're not allowed here and I turned to Robert and I was like dude that was rude I was like you just got those two puppies in trouble and he's like what the fuck what are you talking about I was like you just whistled for them he's like no I didn't I didn't whistle for them I was like yes you did you were right next to me you had to have whistled and he's like no and then he like asked around he's like did y'all whistle and we replayed the song that was playing there was no music and he told me that there ha- that had happened previously. Huh. There had been a whistle in the kitchen and the dogs had run into the kitchen. Crazy. The dogs would not go into Robert's room. Like they would run around and then Robert would run into the room and they'd stop. Chandler had multiple instances of the side door opening and shutting, mm-hmm. sounding like someone was coming home and then no one did. And she'd like wait for Aaron to come home and then she'd hear his car pull into the driveway. She had multiple instances of her water kettle getting turned on with no water in it. And just like starting to heat up. And then the scariest one, at least for me, is I was home in Texas for Christmas and Robert called me and he was like, hey, can you just talk to me for a little bit? I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? He's I'm a little I'm a little freaked out right now, but it's fine. I was like, you're freaked out. Like, what? Like, what's going on? He goes, I can hear someone running in circles upstairs. Oh, yeah. And no one was home. Chandler and Aaron were in California and had taken the dogs and Robert was the only one in the house. Yeah. No. And I, I could not, I, I could not look at the back of his closet ever. I, like, I just would like go in, 
and I'd just be like, and I wouldn't ever go in there. Like Robert will tell you, I would ask him to go grab me a t-shirt and I'd be standing next to the closet door. I'd be like, can you go in and grab me a t-shirt? And it's just, and I still, I can't bring myself to do some research because I'm just so scared. I'm going to find some hella shit and just be like, ah, yeah. I was sleeping next to a ghost, bro. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's not always in, well, I guess, so the house I grew up in, I haven't done a lot of research on that. Um, Cause I, there's a lot of that stuff that sounds familiar, like as far as no one's home, but you can hear people upstairs or my mom's favorite one was she'd be downstairs alone in the house. And it sounded like someone was moving furniture across a hardwood floor mm. upstairs. It had been carpeted when we moved in, but it was originally hardwood. So there was like always weird shit being moved around. Um, when my parents got divorced and my mom's or my mom's my dad's uh current wife moved in she started experiencing stuff and asking like my sisters and i about it because she was afraid to talk to my dad about it like am i going crazy like yeah and we're like yeah no that's normal (laughs) um and yeah there's just a lot of stuff out there um Mm. And my daughter will get weird vibes sometimes. Mm-hmm. And she's gotten it um, in a newer house like once or twice. Yeah. And that's where I'm like, just because it may or may not have happened in this house mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not real. Yeah. Because one of the places that we lived in was brand new. And she's like, this f- feels weird. And I don't know, like, no one's died here. We're the first people to live here. And I'm like, but that doesn't necessarily mean that nothing has happened in this location before yeah, yeah. the house was built so that's <clears throat> yeah a whole other yeah um fun fun bit um my daughter's best friend is really into ghosts and ghost stories so for her birthday she came down and visited and Nate had gotten us all a um ghost tour of downtown portland ooh and that was interesting and really cool um so i i would recommend that one um but she was so freaked out like and she didn't really have any tools for that kind of stuff so we're like okay this is how (laughs) let's 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 start from before we go into the house like i don't want you to bring anything with you into my house yeah your freak outishness 13 year old self at the time (laughs) like we're gonna like ground out Hug a tree, <laughs> do something to just like get rid of that icky feeling mm-hmm. before you go back in the house. Like yeah. that was a, a big thing because yeah. stuff can follow you home. It's Hell yeah. like it can just be bad juju, like bad feelings or whatever, but it'll stick around. And mm-hmm. that's yeah. the thing that I'm like, nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that you had a lot of like on the theme notes saw so you had a yeah a section yeah I, that <laughs> some was stuff cool. some, some stuff um so i also stayed in a haunted hotel similar to katie uh it was the saint james hotel in selma alabama the outlaw jesse james and the james gang Whoa. were reported to have stayed there and um it is widely called the most haunted place in alabama oh wow um, people claim to have seen the ghost of Jesse James and his partner Lucinda, as well as other ghosts of the James gang. Um, and it, the way you described all of the rooms around yours being haunted, mm-hmm. um, that was kind of the setup 
that I was into. Like I was, I was not in one of the haunted rooms, but people, it was like the, the people who ran the hotel were like, Oh yeah, that room is definitely haunted. Yours is probably not haunted. And I was like, can I definitely get one of the ones that's not haunted? I don't, <laughs> don't want like to deal with this. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so like I was there with a pretty large crew and they had told all sorts of weird stories about like, just like stuff moving, like they would mm. wake up and stuff would be misplaced or like lights would turn on, lights would turn off. It was like an old, a really old building and all that. But when we were there, a tornado came through. And so the power went out to the city and we were in a stairwell the whole night. Um, the people who ran the hotel were like, everybody get into the stairwell. It's kind of like an interior part mm-hmm. of the building. So it was structurally yeah. sound. Um, and so it was like, I didn't get to sleep at all that night, but it was, you know, we, we heard the tornado go by and it was like, you know, just that unearthly sound as, as a tornado goes yeah. through and it, it wrecked a lot of the city, but nobody died in the city. But, um, it was part of a storm front that went through and killed 350 people that night just wow. all throughout the South. And I was just like, man, I can't wait to leave this place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so I didn't get to see any ghosts there. Um, and then similar to old historic cabins, um, I didn't get a creepy feeling for the same reason when I went into, we were on a survey one time and we found um, kind of like a complex of, of historic settler cabins. And this was down in Tennessee. Um and so we we're going around as a crew kind of spreading out mm-hmm. and going into different cabins and you know photographing them you know documenting them and all that and so i go over to one on the far end of this complex of of these historic settler cabins and they had not been previously documented like they didn't show up in our our oh, search oh, wow. before cool. we went into the area and we were like hell yeah this is cool yeah that's yeah. dope and they were in great condition too so for mm-hmm. for being pretty old so i go into this one and it's just full, like chock full of old porn and <laughs> like a really like just it looked like someone had like just a miserable time in there. And, like it was just like this horrible ratty mattress that had decomposed probably decades prior to me setting foot in there. And there was just like all sorts of just scraps of just like nasty stuff. And so like... um one of my favorite authors is Cormac McCarthy and there's this Mm. book that he wrote called child of God and that it, it, uh, chronicles this, um, kind of mentally ill hermit that lives in the mountains and commits murders and is is like also a sexual deviant. And like, it's just a horrible, horrible book, but it's very well written. Um, like it's a horrible story, but it's very well written, um, as kind of all Cormac McCarthy books go, but that's like, I couldn't shake that idea in my head that there was like some kind of horrible, like golem creature that had been like just jacking off in these cabins. And I was, I was just like in there and I'm like, I have to document this. Cool. All right. Well, someone's going to have to review a bunch of old porn. So get out the big Ziploc artifact bags and start grabbing them. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other creepy things. Nitroglobes. Nitroglobes. That's all I have to say. Have y'all encountered tons of baby dolls or baby doll heads? Yes. On surveys? Only in the southeast. Yeah. What? In Georgia. I don't know what no, it is. Oh, thank God. All over the southeast, <laughs> I found hundreds 
over the span of a decade, hundreds of baby dolls and baby doll heads, usually in plowed fields. Like it would just be parts of baby dolls. Oh, fun. I don't get what's up with that. No, I, I found a, well, I didn't find it. it was like in a specialty shop next to one of the towns we were working in. It was a jar of baby head like, <laughs> dolls. And you're just like, did you pick these up? <laughs> Are these for sale? No. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh. H baby doll heads, 10 cents. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be a hard no. no. <laughs> that's going to be a pass. <laughs> Yeah, I'm say no. yeah, baby heads. I think that's a southeast thing. I feel yeah. like I found a couple of ceramic or porcelain doll pieces around um, in historic sites. Not commonly, but probably a total over the co- course of close to a decade, maybe five. And they're always a little weird. I have more f- commonly found uh, small child's clothing on surveys like a shoe or a tiny coat or like and those are more that's upsetting unnerving yeah. you're like yeah tiny kids in any creepy situation just <clears throat> fucking yeah. no hard pass no kids singing in a horror mi- no just, no <laughs> thank god i have not found like no. i'm i'm just low-key kind of freaked out by like those old kind of dolls like they really bother me yeah thank Thank all of the things I great. Found. So, like, one of my daughter's uh, fascinations and small <laughs> obsessions is uh, porcelain dolls. So she has a, a collection. You, you've seen I, The I Conjuring, have. right? <laughs> <laughs> She's gotten to the point where she she removed most of them from her bedroom, so they're just in the hallway and down in the basement in a collection. No, no. Some are on swings. No. Like from the ceiling. <laughs> Hard <laughs> pass. To <laughs> um, the look on Tim's face. Like, I have like, no words. That's going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> yeah. Fun times. Man. So I'm curious about the ghost tour you went on. Did you get to go into the underground tunnels? Some of them. It was more of a, there were a couple <clears> of basements. Um, or one in particular. There were there were a couple of underground spots, but one of them in particular did have remnants of the tunnels and some stories to go with that. A lot of them have been sealed up. Um, there, she didn't really, I don't remember a lot of the detail on that other than um, the kidnapping happened, but the whole, sh- a lot of the stuff that's told in the Shanghai tours is bogus. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I'm <clears throat> like, kind of curious to go through and kind of document it but one of the places that we went in i can't remember the name of it but it was one of the old hotels downtown in old town and um it was an upscale hotel that catered to discerning tastes um and had particular women available but it wasn't necessarily considered a brothel it was just an upscale hotel that for certain clientele, you know, could ask certain questions. It's a brothel. Wink, wink. I don't know why, but I just got like 50 cent in my head. Can I ask you 21 questions? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that was really interesting. And that's where both um, my daughter and her friend got really kind of spooked out because they started Mm. seeing things, people that weren't there. And they would ask kind of kindly like do you see the person over there and we're like nope it kind of feels like there's a something <clears throat> around yeah. that side of the room and they're like yeah can we go now 
that would be really nice. And they would freak out like once we got to the car, but they were like trying to keep their composure in there. And that was interesting. But we had the little um, energy counters that will pick up like electrical frequency. Um, I forget what it is. I almost said called. it's a Geiger cage. counter. It's not. No, it's not, like it's not a Geiger shit. <laughs> no, it's not a Geiger. What do the Ghostbusters call it? A, um, I don't remember what it's called. It's I can't vacuum. remember. <laughs> yeah, it's just a vacuum that sucks ghosts up. But yeah. It was, um, it's one of those things, and she showed us how it works. Like, it, it responds to electrical light lines oh. and stuff. And, like, if you're walking down the street, when you come across a crosswalk and, like, you know, power lines or a stoplight, mm-hmm. like it'll go off. So it does pick up specifically on those things. So we like would test it. And in the basement, it went crazy. Um, Satara had brought a tape recorder and we recorded when it was going off in the basement. I don't know if I want to hear this. Yeah. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Um, Tear off the beginning. <laughs> And it was We're really, <laughs> yeah. there were yes and no questions answered or asked, um, and some interesting conversations that were had, um, down there that kind of creeped everyone out. And then we left and like, we, it respond that it responded. So we kind of got the feeling that it, it did, um, so we ended up leaving, and then I checked the recording a few weeks later, <laughs> and there was definitely response on there. Not in words, but we had where we had asked questions and felt that there was response, even though we couldn't hear it. It the the microphone buzzed, like you could hear the response. It picks. It just picked something. Pick, like- yeah. Uh, some sort of response. So it was yeah. white noise. Blah. Blah. It was it was pretty intense. And so well, that's where I was like when we got back to the house and I'm like, okay, we're gonna all like see. work on like <laughs> I need to hug a tree. <laughs> we're we're gonna Moana. like <laughs> yes. get this energy changed. Because they were pretty spooked out. Oh man. Oh boy. Yeah. But fun times. Yeah, I started looking up the the shanghai tunnels um because i i wanted to go on a shanghai tunnel tour mm-hmm. um when i first moved to portland one of my friends told me about the shanghai tunnels and i took it as fact that you know uh, apparently there's these tunnels in in downtown portland that historically were used to transport goods to and from the willamette river uh into mostly the hotels and the, mm-hmm. the old restaurants and stuff because um, it was faster and easier than going, you know, through the streets and sitting in traffic and stuff. Um, and so, but uh, apparently the, the lore goes that, um, the people would get drunk in bars and then they would get kidnapped and taken down into the tunnels, dragged out to the river and then, you know, put onto a boat, taken out to the Pacific. And then they were illegally sold as crew to ships that were then sailing all over the Pacific. Um, so that practice of shanghaiing did happen but apparently it may not have happened in portland so there was a historian named barney blaylock that um the shanghai tunnel tours started up in the 1960s and barney blaylock was was one of the ones early on that that was like this is bullshit like there's no evidence that this ever happened in portland Mm -hmm. but the question i have is 
as I was digging deeper, I, I found some some evidence of famous Shanghaiers, not necessarily in Portland, but is that something that would really have a whole lot of evidence to it? Like, mm-hmm. would you really write down like, "Hey, I kidnapped all these people <laughs> and and sold them illegally"? Like, yeah, I feel like you wouldn't really leave a paper trail for that, and mm-hmm. like maybe even a captain wouldn't really. Uh, want to enter that onto the captain's log or the ship's manifest or anything like that. So yeah. I don't know. That, that's just an honest question is like, it, what kind of evidence would there be? I do know that in Britain during like the height of like, um, the, like the wooden ship era. So the, <clears throat> the sails and that they would go into slums. And, like, people would make money by, like, knocking someone out, dragging them and taking them to a ship mm-hmm. and then having them enlist as crew. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't know how, like, yeah, I don't know, like, what yeah. kind of paper trail unless it's, like, <laughs> you have some sort of de- demarcation in, like, Jim, <laughs> yeah. Je- like, this is a comedian. I don't know why this guy's name came to my mind, but Jim Jeffries boarded the ship and asterisk he didn't want to be here yeah like i don't i don't know but or if yeah. there's like a paper trail like i know they're going into slums so <clears throat> maybe they think people aren't willing to report like missing persons yeah like going mm-hmm. through those cases it's so easy that they just die yeah, or disappear. They're just like, they're gone. Yeah. yeah yeah i found a kind of amusing story of a historical figure named joseph bunko kelly <laughs> uh so right, bunko joseph. kelly was this notorious uh, person who was up and down the Pacific Northwest who would kidnap people and, you know, collect money for selling them off as ship's crew. And he admitted to shanghaiing over 2,000 men and women during a 15-year span beginning in, 19, in 1879. Mm-hmm. And stories about Bunko Kelly... Uh, purport him to have passed a cigar store Indian off as a crewman to a captain for 50 bucks before it was discovered that it was just a wooden statue. What? He also supposedly (laughs) poisoned 22 men with embalming fluid and passed them off to a captain for $52 a head before most of them died on the ship. (laughs) Wow. Wow. And then he he was... uh, he allegedly rounded up 50 men in three hours. And so That's that impressive. was that was the record for uh, Shanghai, which, which was also called crimping. So crimping. Bunko Kelly got the name King of the Crimps. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> just oh, awful crimp. person. Yeah. yeah. I'm out here crimping. Yeah. <laughs> I just, the, the King of the Crimps makes me just think of like that crimping fad in the 90s where everyone just crimped <laughs> yeah. shit one of those. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, anyway. yeah. But <laughs> so his hair is crimped. <laughs> crimped his beard. Yeah. <laughs> Super stylish. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've heard the term crimping on this tour, so that gives some context, but um yeah, I, I haven't done much research on it either. Um, I'm glad you're able to pull some stuff out because I've, yeah. I've been curious a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Some of the other interesting tidbits I remember learning about the city was that the city didn't have uh, city water or sewer set up for a really long time, like past the point where most cities did. Damn. And like other cities were commenting on the smell of Portland, <laughs> which is what instigated I mean, I still comment on habit, the s- yeah. smell of Portland <laughs> sometimes. But. Yeah. 
but you know there's no open sewage in the streets these days <laughs> at least <laughs> as a general everyday practice yeah so kind of going along with those <laughs> the shanghai tunnels and that some a lot of the stories as you guys were saying are kind of like bunk like how do we as archaeologists when we're in those like really sensitive sites that can have you know meaning to all sorts of groups like how do we we handle those situations how is the best to go about being in these sites and i know tip and i were talking with a coworker of ours the other day saying that ghost stories seem to have this sort of ability to tell stories of populations that have been marginalized throughout history so mm-hmm. either like you know brothels so women women tend to not be as recognized in history um, or ignored and a lot of times in the archaeological record we usually you know we're always looking for you know the hunting kind of stuff um, so those stories tend to get told um, so they tend to highlight these kinds of, which is an interesting thought thinking about ghost stories as possibly a manifestation of like these people aren't being talked about yeah um, so and I'm a f- big believer in that archaeology is meant to tell the stories of people that written history like erases and puts to the side. Yeah. So like what are you guys' thoughts on like those kinds of sites that are, are haunted or that like we tend to associate with hauntings? Like what's the best way to like be respectful and like we all love to tell ghost stories and stuff, yeah. but like what's the best practice of like even like recording them cuz it's yeah. hard. That's a really good question. Yeah, most of the time I will vocalize to whatever I'm, if I feel that there's something going on, I will start talking to whatever that may be um, as acknowledgement and um, not sure if you're actually a thing, but, you know, if you are, I want to acknowledge your presence and thank you for, you know, Blah, blah, blah. And in doing that sort of positive acknowledgement, I look and sound like a crazy person, I'm sure, <laughs> um, in those situations. But it's something where, like, I try to acknowledge that past and that history. Um, and I don't usually record those instances. Mm. Um, but I think it would be interesting as a scientist, to to see how those, um, if if people were to put those in the records, mm. if that would align with anything, yeah, um, as far as history or or whatnot. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely believe that like the story has to come from somewhere, so it may not be like entirely true. Like I don't know, like I'm blanking now on like something <laughs> that's like super horrific, but it's like that story had to come from somewhere, and so like diving into the records could help maybe find a little more truth in that story or see who has written something about it and then kind of pivoting and seeing if like, oh, am I seeing something in the archaeological record versus like what's being said about a story? Like I have a project that's on a place called Murderer's Creek. Mm. And you're like, well, something a murderers had to have happened. <laughs> yeah. but, How you know, get that name? Yeah, just but, a lot of crows there. Yeah. <laughs> oh. How do you say that? And, but there's like two two conflicting stories that are happening in this area about the naming of Murderers Creek. So it's mm. kind of interesting to like one is more sensationalized of like a group of um, northern Paiute murdered a bunch of miners. Mm-hmm. And then there's another story about like a daughter of a homesteader coming across a dead body and just going, I just want to name it Murderer's Creek. 
So huh. it's like, wow, one's like really more intricate and has a bigger telling and then one's just very small and minute in yeah. a sense. So you're like, which one's real and which yeah. one was kind of told to mm-hmm. kind of make something of it. Yeah. 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 Names of places are always fascinating to me, yeah. especially in the West here. There's something... Yeah. There's both between like naming it out of something random, um, actual instances, um, or like the lack of creativity of 18 year old men in the 1800s, <laughs> like hole in the ground, big hole in the ground. Or there's like devil's churn, devil's cauldron. Yeah. Uh, all of the all of the things named after the devil out here. Yeah. Uh, and then there's also like uh, a gazillion bear creeks. Oh, <laughs> yeah. God. And then there's other ones that make me crack up. It's it's like uh, Cape Disappointment. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> Desolation Ridge, Starvation Ridge. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. There's like Starvation Creek and in- yeah. <laughs> Like, well, but it's a hiking trail. How are you it's feeling? Really like, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How are you feeling when you found this place? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Shit wasn't hungry. going so good. Yeah. Was it? Were you hungry? Yeah. yeah. Well, so I worked on a a a grave site in California where we ended up finding a bunch of human remains, mm. and at first it was really like. As a person who's interested in osteology and kind of that stuff, it was kind of exciting because I was like testing myself, like what what bone is this? Can I cite it? Doing that kind of stuff. And then starting to realize like this was these are people. These aren't just, Mm -hmm. you know, a plastic thing in a lab or just to teach. This was a person. Mm -hmm. This isn't a field that has been plowed. And starting yeah. to slowly realize, like, this person was laid to rest with care because people bury our dead with care mm-hmm. because we feel something for them. And then to have someone plow through them mm-hmm. was heart-wrenching. Yeah. And then when the tribe that we were working with found out, they came and they were performing ceremonies constantly burning sage, doing prayers, standing over us, working with us. And it slowly sank into me like, you know, in the Christian realm, it's sort of like dead body, ignore it. The soul is what's important. That's gone off. Mm-hmm. Yay. But for a lot of Native American religion, it doesn't matter. That body is connected to that ancestor and being a part of that in a way that I hadn't been before and taking a moment to step back and realize like this is a belief that I I haven't experienced before but it was so powerful and by the end of it I found doing what you're saying Kristen being like I'm so sorry that this had happened I'm so sorry that I'm here in this manner I'm Mm -hmm. so sorry that I'm disturbing this like I promise you I am here not of my own volition I'm I'm here because I I, it's my job I have to be here Mm -hmm. and it was it was it ended up being really hard being like I don't know how to handle this like it it started to be where I was like I don't want to touch it I don't I don't want to mess it up like I don't and you know, recording those situations and like when you do the scientific recording, sometimes you miss that that like emotion that like yeah. people were laid to rest with care here. And yeah. like when you find those graveyards sometimes that are left to just, 
you know, crumble and fall apart. And there's a certain beauty in like letting things return to nature. But it's also like people of the past (laughs) took great and intricate care to Mm -hmm. put the dead there to make the dead comfortable and safe and whether or not to like assuage your own fears of the dead but it was it ended up being really hard being like and then even going in graveyards sometimes like I know that tip you've had some students who have felt like graveyards like recording them they're like it just feels uncomfortable for me it's really emotionally heavy sometimes yeah to deal with that and it's weird too because as archaeologists often there's not really a place for us to record that you know like Mm -hmm. uh, we work as crm archaeologists and um it's one of those things that you know i think often would fall like outside the scope of work for like what we would record or report on and so like in the report where would we say like I got the heebie-jeebies while I was going through this cemetery or yeah. like, you know, I went through this area and I, like, I just kind of wanted to cry. Like I, I felt like all of the, all of the energy going through this and, and all that. And it's like, you can't really put that in a CRM report. Yeah, no. They're just asking, is it compliant or is it out of compliance? Yeah. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, there, I, I think that that question is really good because it's like, how do we treat places with respect in a way that can acknowledge these um, stories that otherwise wouldn't mm-hmm. find their way into the archaeological record. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think just kind of approaching it with like a, an intentionality of, of like, okay, like what story is trying to be told here? What story yeah. needs yeah. to be told here? What story yeah. like can archaeology support telling here? But, you know, there's other sto- there's other ways to tell the story too. Like, like you touched on with working with tribes or, you know, maybe it's just, you know, writing a historical fiction, like in your yeah. own spare time and yeah. trying to get it out there. It makes me think of um, the the theory behind archaeology or the idea of doing archaeology um, in a lot of ways, both like modern archaeology doing stuff for like uh, Manhattan Project era, mm-hmm. uh, mid-century, all the way back to prehistory, is it's a story of place. Yeah. Because uh, history is recorded in history, doc- historical documents, um, and there's a, always the talk about archaeology loses a lot of its meaning when it's things are taken out of context. Mm. It's mm-hmm. all about things being in place. And I feel like th- what we pick up on as archaeologists as we gain a feeling of nuance and intuition on certain locations whether it's recognized as heebie-jeebies or creep or just like (laughs) a profound feeling of respect the feeling of needing to cry unexplicably or just a deep feeling of connection with a particular space is that it's a manifestation of the history Mm-hmm. and investment of people into that space. Yeah. Um, there's a lot. <laughs> Frickin' snaps, man. So I think there's <laughs> something to be said for what can't necessarily be identified or written down scientifically, but that there is so much more to a feeling and preservation of place than can be said in a, a scientific document. 
And um, actually, it's what you're saying is inspiring me to think about writing a journal or doing some sort of journaling yeah. blog mm-hmm. on this types of type of stuff. Um, just to be like, you know, how can I record for the sake of um, this place and the feeling and entity or whatever, the energy here, how can I honor that? Yeah. Um, especially if I know it's going to be destroyed, like um, outside of recording the scientific pieces, like somehow documenting that feeling or connection or just my impression of it separately um, yeah. for pros, you know, that's what I'm looking for. Posterity. Posterity. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I think another, like, another thing that we've kind of all touched on is go with your gut. Yeah. Like, if your gut is saying, like, I feel like I want to fucking cry here or, like, <laughs> I'm scared. Like, what Chris was saying, like, go with your gut. There might be a story there that needs to be told that's, like, yeah. crying out to be told that you could... T- you know, if you find the right records, mm-hmm. like Tip was saying, like or Katie was saying, like <laughs> that's fine. I have multiple names, personalities. <laughs> <laughs> the like that you might be able to delve into those records and pull that out and put that in a CRM report that yeah. hasn't been put in a report before. But also, if you're not feeling safe, if you're feeling scared, if you're like fuck this shit, I'm out. Trust your gut. Like yeah. Get mm-hmm. get yeah. out of there. You don't want to. Your gut is telling you something important, and in so many ways, your gut is telling you tell this story. This gut is telling mm-hmm. keep yourself safe. There's you know those kinds of things. Like make yeah. sure you're listening to that and you know take it into account. Is it telling you to tell a story? Is it telling you to get your butt on out of there? <laughs> <laughs> well, and as some people might say, it's the land that's telling you to go. Like yeah. there's a reason why usually, like. For example, with your cows, like if it's something disease or aerial or like who knows what that could be, but whatever it was is in that location, mm-hmm. especially if they were fairly fresh bodies, that's probably a good indication that you need to hightail it out. Yeah. Get out of there. So. Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> and bye. Yes. So Halloween's coming up. Anyone else got fun and exciting plans i'm going to maine and i'm going to salem massachusetts yes Yes. talk about some haunted ass places i'm so excited i feel like i'm going to the mecca of halloween or something just like nice yes so if anyone needs a witch hat i'm bringing an extra like suitcase okay okay take it yeah yeah, i'm taking orders i will send you an invoice yes (laughs) send you with a really big hat box yes yeah no no worries an empty vial for dirt (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna be no (laughs) oh so cool so yeah so So i'm not dressing up i i really like halloween and getting dressed up but this year it's just making my pilgrimage Spooky travel. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's awesome. Sounds like fun. Spooky yeah. I haven't travel. figured out what I want to do for um, a Halloween costume. I've been really into uh, the Righteous Gemstones lately. Have y'all been watching that show? No. no. It's a new show on <laughs> HBO with like Danny McBride and John oh, Goodman. Yeah. I, yes. Oh. Okay. Yeah. It is. It's like everything I loved about <laughs> Eastbound and Down and everything I loved about Talladega Nights. <laughs> it's, oh, wow. it's just the most ridiculous show. But there's this character on there named uh, Uncle Baby Billy 
and <laughs> I really want to figure out how to do Uncle Baby Billy. It's like I haven't had a clean shave in years, and I would do a clean shave for Uncle Baby Billy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also the fun with dressing dogs up in Halloween costumes <laughs> yes. is always fun. So I want to figure something out and take the boys to uh, Savi's Island. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to do that. The pumpkin patch. We haven't. We did not do a pumpkin last year, and that is horrible to say as a parent. Yeah. We totally missed that boat last year. It was like, and Halloween's over. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> no. Oh, the pumpkin. Uh. <laughs> totally forgot about that. It's like I didn't think about it until I had a smashed pumpkin in my front yard. And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh that. <laughs> it was the worst feeling ever coming to Oregon to a place that has humidity coming from a place that has no humidity and realizing that when you carve a pumpkin here <laughs> like four days later it's rotting and gross and it's smushy and there's flies everywhere yep. in Colorado you can have a pumpkin for like fucking it just mummifies huh. <laughs> you just have a, a pumpkin for all time like you can carve a pumpkin at the beginning of October and it's there until November yeah. Man. <laughs> and then I came here and I was like my first year here I think I carved a pumpkin like first week of October and I was like uh, 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 uh. <laughs> within a week I was like oh god yeah my Halloween oh, no. is just gross mush it yeah. had like melted <laughs> off the like oh, balcony gross. and I was like what kind of place did I move to <laughs> that pumpkins just melt That's so yeah sad. on that nice. front stupid Portlandans <laughs> do humidity yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be the matron of of my daughter's masquerade murder mystery Ooh. birthday oh party because her birthday is like a couple days before Halloween. So nice. it's going to be super fun. And her and her friends got together the other day, this last weekend, and I took them driving around shopping vintage stores for fancy masquerade <laughs> dresses and all the fun fun things. <laughs> yes. So I've always loved Halloween and she's I'm so excited that her birthday was like, <laughs> I'm like this is gonna be great. But she lost enthusiasm about it like a couple of years ago. She's like, no one can come to my party because everyone's going to a Halloween party. Oh. Like no. the weekend before. Cause I'm just like, that is a valid point. Like <laughs> once she hit teen teenagerhood, it's like everyone's going to Halloween parties. Yeah. So this year she's she's bumped it out. So it's after Halloween and I'm like, you can still do do the dress up if you want, but yeah. she's not running into that yeah. that issue. Cause that was like she did not want to do a dress up party for like <laughs> a while. Like, oh man. That was my favorite part. <laughs> but yeah. All the candy. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Pew, pew. That's a wrap. It is. <laughs> well, that was pretty spooky. Uh, thanks again for listening to the Go Dig a Hole podcast. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with uh, other folks that you think might enjoy it and consider supporting it on patreon.com forward slash go dig a hole you can also find us on social media at go dig a hole on uh, facebook twitter instagram um, and if you have ideas for the show reach out to us there or to christopher at go dig a hole.com.